Hey, welcome to the Ron Johnson Discipleship Podcast. And once again, we're going to be connecting some major dots between what's happening in our culture today, especially with the 4th of July coming up this week, and biblical truth and uh, the foundation for why we are a blessed and exceptional nation. So it's going to be an amazing episode today. I'm glad that you're tuning in. Hope that you get a lot out of it, especially as we get ready to celebrate our nation's birth birthday yeah. this week. Yeah, but before we get there, we had a great worship last Sunday. Sunday, how we did. wrapping up our Moving Forward series. Uh, Pastor Ron talked about how you should not hang out with the rabbles. <laughs> <laughs> the rabble. As, a, as a Israel left Egypt, the Bible says there was some rabble. There was yeah. some uh, some ruffians, yeah. some troublemakers. And uh, yeah, we talked about, you know, how we can't, can't live alone. Uh, the Bible tells us man shall not, uh, it's not good for man to be alone. Yeah. Uh, but we also said the balance of that is don't invite everybody along on the journey with you. Yeah, uh, your friends are important and who you hang with is important. Yeah, I remember reading that passage and just realizing how important, how much God uh, was annoyed by murmuring. Yeah, and people yeah. just murmuring. And I was reminded of that when I had my own kids. Or no, actually when I was teaching at the alternative school. My kids aren't young <laughs> you old enough to remember yet. Oh, yeah. I have kids who were just you know, I told them to do something and they would just say something under under their breath. I'm like, tell me to my face. Don't yeah. murmur under your yeah. breath. I'm just like, oh man. Yeah. No, that was a big takeaway for me though, too. Yeah. The, the the whole idea of how how upset and angry God mm-hmm. gets when people are whining and murmuring. Yeah. And I mean, you know, if God if that makes God that mad. Yeah. Uh, it's something we should pay attention to. Absolutely. You know, but we're wrapping up that awesome series, but we're starting a brand new series this coming Sunday. Yeah. And share a little bit of your heart because, you know, you uh, you and I both, as we're pastoring people and encouraging yeah. people, meeting with people, you know, you're in the trenches with, with folks and you get to hear what's on their heart and what they're going through. And so I kind of highlight this, what people's appetite for Sunday. Sure. And it's a combination of the experience I've seen the people around me and my own experience, my wife and I. So own experience, you know, in this crazy year of 2020, uh, yeah. a lot of action, a lot of ups and downs. And, and, and yeah. the, the sense in my heart is that we are truly being squeezed as a nation. We're being squeezed as a church and we're being squeezed individually. I mean, I so, so guess what the sermon series yeah. is going to be called? Squeeze. <laughs> and uh, yeah, but we're going to talk about, you know, the who, the what, the why behind yeah. the squeezing and um, the different areas that we we are squeezed in as well, and, yeah. uh, and how to how to find strength and, and encouragement from the Word and from the Lord Himself. So. Well, that's what really what it is. The the heart is to be an encouraging message for the season as all these uncertainties coming around us. Um, how do we remain steady? How do we remain uh, fruitful in the season? How do we really maximize the season? I feel like being squeezed. We're going to frame yeah. this Sunday, being squeezed. Who's doing the squeezing? When you recognize who's doing the squeezing is not the devil or the circumstance. Ultimately, it's the Lord then we have hope and we have joy in the middle yeah. of this. And how do you, uh, what is that we say, how do we make lemonade when yeah. <laughs> when the lemon's being squeezed yeah. to turn from becoming bitter and, you yeah. know, whiner, and, you know, all, all those all those qualities that we mentioned Sunday are things that we just need to, to stay away from. Absolutely. Stubbornness and rebellion and and uh, and all of that. So sure. so anyway, but hey, we're going to talk today about, uh, about our nation's birthday and about a concept that has fallen uh 
in the streets and been trampled on it, actually been uh, derided. It's the concept called American exceptionalism. What does that mean? It's something that was part of the American culture and the American discussion for years and years and years, something very positive. It wasn't until recent administrations where the whole idea of America exceptionalism has you know, been a, become a punching bag right. and an object of, uh, of ridicule and scorn. But the Bible says this, and it's it's one of my favorite verses, Psalm 33, 12, and I'm, I'm reading from the amp, good old Amplified. Mm-hmm. It says, blessed, and every time you read, I, I love reading the uh, Sermon on the Mount and the Amplified because, of course, every verse starts off, blessed are those, blessed mm-hmm. are those. But the Amplified version says this every single time in that passage, blessed, happy, fortunate, to be envied is the nation whose God is the Lord the people whom he has chosen as his inheritance or his heritage. Blessed, happy, fortunate to be envied are the people that God has chosen to bless, the nation that honors the Lord. You know, there's a tangible, visible manifestation of blessing, God says, on a nation who honors God, who honors his word, and who seeks to honor him in the way that they conduct their government and their public affairs. Right. And, uh, and America has been that nation over the years. And this is the way I see it. Again, you know, we talked about this before. There are natural laws. There are laws of physics that if you if you don't believe in it, it's not going to affect you. If you sure, jump like off gravity. A, yeah, like gravity. Jump off a building, you're going to fall. It doesn't matter whether you believe in it or not. Right, right. There are natural laws, moral laws, relational laws that's in place describing the scriptures. Yep. And when we follow those laws, when we prescribe to those the, the boundaries of those laws, we will get the greatest level of prosperity. This, so, this so if you sense. honor God's, if you honor God's principle, it doesn't yeah. matter whether you're a Christian or not. Yeah. Even, doesn't matter what faith you are. Yeah. But if you if you honor those laws, because those right. laws correspond to the way right. things really are, right. uh, then you'll experience blessing. And the same, same opposite right. is true. If you're a Christian and you flagrantly disobey right. the law of God. It doesn't matter that you go to church on Sunday. You're going to pay the price for that. I, I heard a great a funny um, example of this. He says, you can listen to Christian music all you want, but if you drive around the curve that says you're supposed to drive at 35 miles an hour, drive at 70 miles an hour, you're going to be flying off the curve listening to your Christian music. You're going to be singing hallelujah while you go off the edge of the right. cliff. But I have a very practical example for this that I've shared with other people. You know, For example, the, the idea of judgment. The idea there's internal judgment after you die. Now, that's not a uniquely a Christian principle. There are other religions that talks right. about that. And I grew up in the Chinese tradition and culture. Right. They, ha- they have this king guy, he's, he, or this judge, basically, of the underworld. I'm not saying any of this is biblical or true, but that's the concept that right. they, you'll be judged. There's an afterlife, and yeah. you're going to end up... Someone's going to even the score. Someone's going to score. And yeah. that mindset, that thought has led to level of prosperity because people are like, oh, I shouldn't be corrupt because even though I get away with this life, I'm not going to get away in the other life. So those general concepts has led to prosperity because, uh, not because, because they align with godly principles. Right, right. Their view of judgment might not be accurate, but right. there is a judge. There is a judge. And, and the Bible reveals who that judge is, and right. the Bible reveals what God likes and what he doesn't like. Sure. Like whining. Stop yeah. it. He, right. doesn't, he doesn't like Those it. things lead to a nation to be prosperous. Yeah. Right. So those are what we're talking about. Yeah. Right. And, you know, I love this quote by Thomas Jefferson because I think, you know, you and I are just chatting. If there's anything that grieves my heart today, it's the incredible historical blindness. Mm-hmm. You know, we're seeing a lot of anarchists and we're seeing a lot of Marxist movements today uh, to uh, destroy uh, America. And a lot of uh, a lot of bad historical analysis going on that really shows that people don't get 
who we are and don't understand the blessing. But Thomas Jefferson said this. He said, my God, with an exclamation point, he goes, how little do my countrymen know what precious blessings they are in possession of and which no other people on earth enjoy. Yeah. I mean, this is Jefferson hundreds of years ago uh, saying, you know, if if only our people, if only Americans understood what they have been handed uh, in this country, the blessings that no other nations enjoy. And, you know, again, you and I were talking about being able to travel to the nations of the world, and I've made this comment many, many times um, that the reason why missions is so important for the local church is people need to get out of this country and they need to go to other places and they need to see the way most of the world lives. Yeah. They need to see the poverty. They need to see the lack of freedom. You know, I was in a, in a country uh, a couple of years ago, and won't mention it by name, but the pastor said, yeah, there's a new law passed. Any materials that we have in our church need to be stamped by the government, showing that the government is giving us permission to have this material in the building. Now, this is the state encroaching on the church and telling the church what books or materials they can and cannot have. You know, we take this for granted. I mean, we read what we want to read. We buy whatever books we want to read. Uh, in church, we certainly don't have to get the government's permission to do this. But, I mean, we just take our prosperity for, for granted. We take our liberties for granted. And well, we're starting to not to because the idea of censorship for us was like, oh, that's not a big Big deal. It's just common sense. But if you come from the background of understanding that the governments feels some government that feels censorship is like their ordained right, you couldn't stand the encroaching of, of that spirit of censorship of say of regulating speech and what's not speech. So I mean, again, because of our prosperity, I think we have been blinded to the encroaching, uh, the the government encroaching on our liberties, and we don't even realize it Absolutely. until you go to other nations. You're like, oh, that's kind of what's happening, and that's. So it's awakening, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. And uh, and I just want to encourage all of our viewers, please make sure that you're staying abreast to religious persecution across the nations of the yeah. world, uh, the, 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 the poverty across the nations of the world. You know, Sunday was another great Sunday. We were able to liberate our first family who would basically be slaves for the rest of their lives at a brick kiln mm -hmm. uh, for about $3,000, which was what their indebtedness was. Um, but you realize people literally making bricks all day long in that blazing heat, uh, a thousand a day for uh, probably a matter of individual dollars is what they would, would yeah. make. Uh, and so we want to we want to look at a concept today called American exceptionalism. And I think, as with anything, it's important that we define our terms. Right. You know, when you know, people sounds like. In fact, it was a, f a few years ago. Somebody asked. Uh, under under the Obama administration, they asked President Obama, they said, hey, do you believe in the concept of American exceptionalism? And President Obama completely misunderstood the concept. He said, oh, yeah, I believe in American exceptionalism, just like the French believe in French exceptionalism and the Iranians believe in Iranian exceptionalism. Basically, he was getting the concept confused with national, national pride. pride right. How does the concept of American exceptionalism, in other words, it's not just that we're going, yeah, we're Americans, right. we're better than everybody. Right. You know, what does it mean, first of all? Well, for, you know, that's interesting because when I first heard that term, yep. the, the, the impression I got is exactly what President Obama had, which is it's an emotional allegiance. Right. It's a national pride. It's like cheering for the Cubs or the Bears. Like, you right. know, go yeah, America. My, yeah, my, well, it's more like, yeah, well, for you. 
for you Bear fans. It's like, I don't care if they lost whatever in a row. I'm still, Bears are still number one. But that's the idea that people have of right. exceptionalism. Like, like, that's shooting. my team. That's my team. I don't care if they lost everything and they have the worst draft ever. That's still my team, you know? <laughs> I know. Yeah. A little in the room. Bears fan. Oh. But that's kind of what people think of. But that's not really what American exceptionalism, I think we want to clarify that here. Yeah, so. yeah. In fact, the word exceptional means unusually excel- excellent, uh-huh. superior, extraordinary, phenomenal, yeah. outstanding. So what we're really saying is there's something about America that has fit all of those it's adjectives. tangible, practical, and not emotional. And it goes right back to, to the verse we just started with. Yeah. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. So if... if a nation honors God if a nation shapes its laws and shapes its form of government around the principles of God's word, then yeah. you could ex- expect that that nation would be excellent, superior, extraordinary, phenomenal, and outstanding in every way. Yeah. And in fact, that's what we're finding out. In fact, I just want to kind of back up just a little bit because the other thing that you hear today is like when people are waving flags or they're, they're showing up, we love America that there's almost this view that, that they compare uh, even President Trump with, with Hitler and Nazism and nationalism. And, you know, they see the large rallies and people get all nervous about that. Okay, we're, we're not saying American exceptionalism is synonymous with Hitler and Nazism. It's not that kind of nationalistic spirit. Right. And it's certainly, as you pointed out, it's not just a pride in America. What we're talking about instead is what is it that has separated the United States of America from, say, the other 192 nations at the UN. What has made us exceptional in all the nations of the world? And we really want to talk about two major ways. Uh, The first one is just the stability that we have enjoyed as a nation under the same constitution now for what is it, 244 years as we're coming up on this birthday. And so, again, Americans might be going, oh, is that unusual? Yeah. Well, it's highly unusual. Uh, most nations do have not enjoyed 244 years of freedom and blessing and prosperity under the same founding document. In fact, if you look at some of the data here, I just had, this comes from David Barton's wonderful ministry, Wall Builders. France, 15 revolutions since just since our last revolution. Poland, seven revolutions since 1921. Russia, four revolutions since 1917. And Afghanistan, five revolutions just in the 20th century. So, you know, what happens when your nation's getting, uh, experiencing revolution after revolution? How does that impact the blessing on the people? Yeah. I think a great way to kind of have a practical analogy of this is, um, we'll talk about your family. Like, you know, your kids grew up with a very stable family. You know, we have fam- a lot of broken- brokenness in our families yeah. and in our culture today. But when your kids grow up in your family, they're just, all they know is you and your wife loving each other, always being there, supporting them, yeah. and they don't really know any difference, yeah. right? Uh, until, as you told me, as they got a little older and they got to kind of interact with other kids and other families, and then they're realizing, wow, I'm really so appreciative right. of the stability we have in right. our family. When I go home, I know my mom's going to be there, my dad's going to be there, they're going to love me and cherish me. No, that's just not, unfortunately, yeah, so, that's not necessarily happening in so, every So imagine yeah. if, if what's going on now in Seattle, the, the National Republic of Chop or Chaz or whatever yeah. it is, which is basically mob rule, uh, yeah. people getting killed, uh, yeah. people being beaten on the streets, businesses being burned out. Yeah. Some nations experience that on a 
on a national level, yeah. every 5, 10, 20, 30 years, that ha happens. The whole country gets turned upside down. Right. Well, imagine what happens to, to those people. Imagine what happens to the businesses, to, to, to the wealth of that nation. I mean, it, it's terrible, and, and most nations have to deal with this you know, on a regular basis. America yeah. has not. And who wants to build a business Right? Who wants to invest infrastructure? Who wants oh. to build a gas station right next to Chaz when they could, you could possibly burn down? Invest your life savings. You know, I think just think about a child. When a child grows and develops, they need stability. I've I've understood that on a deep level right now as a as a father to young kids. Yep. They need stability. They need to know that when they come to my dad, then to their dad, they know that I will embrace them, not yell at them. One day I'm good, one day I'm bad. You know, that instability yep. is not great for growth for a kid. Same thing for a nation. Absolutely. Um, up and down. That's if, a great if point. You, if you if you submit your permit for something, they might you know chew you out or they might accept you. You just don't know. The instability caused business people to, right. to just say, "Hey, I don't want to do this. Even I don't want to grow." In an economic environment, you have to have stability. In other words, you got to play by the rules, which yeah. is why a lot of countries do not have uh, the the uh, economic investment because because they're in turmoil. And yeah. like you said, who if you've got money, you don't want to go to a country and try to invest in that country that's full of uh, uh, instability. Yeah. Um, so what has been the secret to America's stability? It has been our Constitution, our Declaration, which gives our political philosophy. But this Constitution has been the foundation. And as we talked about, this is probably a whole other episode, but <laughs> the ideas that, that came into that Constitution clearly come from the scriptures and we can get maybe that's a whole nother episode to tie those together but yeah. we have a document that has been largely created out of a worldview or out of a set of ideas that have been incredibly different which in fact that leads us to the second point on american yeah. exceptionalism yeah. and the second point is simply this our exceptionalism as a nation is seen in the incredible prosperity that we have yeah. you know we, we talked about this we go to lots of different countries and we see incredible poverty in fact the, the majority, this is stunning, the majority of planet Earth ekes out an existence on a paltry $2 a day or less. Imagine that, $2 a day or less. That's the majority of the world. Now, again, we have a lot of people complaining about economic injustice and blah, blah, blah in America. How many of you know the poorest of our poor in America are more blessed than most of the world today? That's just the fact. The, the worst in America is still greatly, more greatly blessed. The, the worst American is not living on $2 a day. That's just the facts. But the question is this. Why? Why is it? This is, this is what's amazing. America represents 4% of the world's population. 4%. Okay, that's not very much. And yet we have generated 25% of the world's wealth. That, that, that right there is just worthy of pausing, okay? We have people saying America is a greedy, capitalistic nation and blah, 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 and that we've made our money from stealing and robbing and all this kind of stuff from other nations of the world. It's just simply not true. 4% of the world's population has created 25% of the world's wealth. That's just stunning. How is it that we have been so exceptional? What, what is it? Is, and, and we ask the question here, is it because we have more natural resources than other nations? Not at all. In fact, Africa is a nation, a nation 
filled with natural resources. The problem with African poverty is not that uh, they don't have resources. The problem is ideas again. It's governments. It's it's modes of government. It's the it's the uh, it's the corruption again in the human heart that we talked yeah. about. It's not instability. Right. Instability. Right. Uh, governmental instability. Governmental corruption. It's not lack of resources. God created the planet with plenty of resources right. for us all to have more than enough. Right. So so that's not it is. But here's let's ask this question. Why is it that 4% of the world's population is responsible for more inventions than the entire rest of the world combined? Mm -hmm. So we've got more creative energy, more creative freedom, people dreaming. Mm -hmm. uh, we have more wealth to be able to figure out, let's try to do this better. You know, Let's try to create a better way. We have more freedom of thought. We have better universities. I mean, the list goes right down the line. Um, how about this one, which I thought was interesting? We have more Nobel Peace Prizes than all of the rest of the world combined. Now, again, this is not us patting ourselves on the back, saying Americans are exceptional people. No, Americans are normal people like everybody else. Americans aren't better than Asians, Africans, Hispanics, uh, whatever other population, Russians, uh, the Polish, you know, I mean, figure out whatever population group, whatever nation you're talking about. This is not anything exceptional about being in America or being an American. What makes us exceptional is our worldview mm -hmm. and the ideas that flow from that worldview. Yeah. Some ideas are better than others. Right. Some ideas are exceptional. And when you follow God's ideas, which are exceptional ideas, you're going to have exceptional outcomes. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and America has been uh, seeing the fruit of that. So when it comes to government, here's the question we should be asking. What is it that's unique about the American form of government? And the ideas that inspire it, mm -hmm. that's led us to be a nation that has enjoyed incredible stability, incredible economic blessing, and incredible freedom. And you have to look no farther than our Declaration of Independence, the preamble there, which gives the whole philosophy for understanding our Constitution. You know, some people try to separate the, the Declaration from the Constitution. You can't do it. Because the Declaration shares the heartbeat. Yeah. It shares the philosophy behind the Constitution and, and our, our form of government. People have yeah. said the Constitution is godless. Well, no, the Constitution is, isn't godless because the Constitution comes with the Declaration, which shares the, the Founders' philosophy yeah. for government. So if you would, Andrew, read our Declaration of Independence here for us because we're going to, and we can pause at, at each of the, sure. the, the beginning places. Here. But let's, let's spend a little bit of time talking about that. Uh, we hold these truths. Which, okay, that's a good okay. point. These truths, which right. means it's not everybody's opinion. Right. Right. Which means our founders believed in absolute truth. Right. They're not. They're not uh, more relativists. Right. They're not relative. We, or we think this is a good idea, but you yeah. might think no. They're talking right. about truths no, here. They're saying these are these are truths. Yep. Uh, to be self-evident. Yeah. That was, yeah. That's a nice word. What does self-evident mean? Yeah. It's, it's obvious. Anyone <laughs> could. Yeah. As David Barton likes to say, it means any idiot could understand what we're getting ready to say. <laughs> these are not mystical things that require a PhD. All right, right. for you to understand. Self-evident truths. What are these self-evident truths? That all men are created equal. They're endowed with their, by their creator with certain unalienable rights. And that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That to secure these rights, government are instituted among men. Okay, so two, two pillars here that make American government and make America exceptional. The first is the belief that God is our creator. Now, again, this has been under assault. 
since the days of, of Darwinism and uh, yep. evolutionary theory, which is why that's so radical that that's being taught to our students because it fundamentally is anti-American. Not to also mention anti-science. We can get that's a whole other uh, episode, but it's anti-American because our founders did not believe in some evolutionary process. They believed in a creator. And a creator that gave rights to human beings. And so the first the first pillar is that God is a creator. The second pillar is that whatever legitimate rights that we have, they come from God. And this is critically important because if my rights come from you mm. or your rights come from me, those rights are not very secure. Yeah. I, I can say, well, I'm going to take that, those rights away. Right. Uh, it's like what we're seeing with this mob rule and the the, the mayor of uh, Seattle says, it's democracy. Well, d- democracy is mob rule. Uh, it's rule by the people. It's, it's majority rule. And we were never founded to be a democracy. No, we're a constitutional republic, which is found on constitutional principles. Which come from oh. biblical principles, uh, right. if you want to take it all the way back. Right. And I think the... A huge factor is historically people understood rights are c- coming from kings or emperors or pharaohs or whatever. The the, the big dog in charge gives right. you your right. This is your property. This is your land. I'm allotting this mountain land to you. But that means they can take it away. Yeah. So the, so there's another revolution, and you were the you were the yep. king, and you were giving me rights. But now you're gone, and now right. there's a new king, and now that king says, Ah, now we're gonna we're not gonna take we're gonna take away those rights. They're no longer right. your rights. And that's that's a can you, we, we have lived in such a prosperous nation, we can't even imagine what that looked like. I couldn't imagine my state official saying, here's your wife, here's your kids, they're really mine, but I'm loaning you to use to serve whatever, you know. Um, this this is my land, but I'm lending it to you, and you got to work off the land, uh, almost like property tax, <laughs> which we do have, which we're not going to get into that. Well, but let's, let's get into yeah. these rights, though. Yeah. Um, what were these rights that the, that the Declaration delineated? Yeah. The right to life. Yep. Why is life a God-given right? Because God is the author of life, which right. means human beings do not have the right to take life, like I can't take your life because I don't like you. It also goes all the way back to life in the womb. Mm-hmm. You know, if if, a, if the government can fail to protect the right to life, why would you trust them with any other rights? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the right to life is fundamental. It doesn't do us any good to enjoy or talk about other rights if we can't live. And so the government does not have the right to life. That belongs to God. And again, this gets right back. We talked about capital punishment and the foundation of government last week. Yep. Governments have the right to take life, and only governments, uh, under certain situations where human beings are taking other people's lives, egregious yep. crimes. But the right to life, the right to live our lives without government intervention is comes from God Almighty. We also are accountable. Obviously, if he's the one that's giving us these rights, we're accountable to him. But sure. So we have the right to life. We have the right to liberty, which means the freedom to conduct our business. Now, we can get into this whole COVID-19 thing, but one of the one of the biggest concerns is that we just submitted to a government who basically shut down our right to life. Well, how do they do that, Pastor? Well, because they're saying you can't go out and work. You can't open your business. You cannot provide for your family. These are rights to life and liberty uh, that are given to us by God and that are protected in our Constitution. So, again, we, we're, we're, we've seen some 
some treading on some very essential foundational liberties. We haven't even talked about the light uh, in terms of the right to liberty, in terms of our conscience, the right to have religious faith, the right to believe yeah. and say, hey, I'm going to stand by these principles and I'm not going to bow to whatever the ortho or the popular culture is. How and about that, right? We just yeah. talked about the why these recent Supreme Court rulings are so egregious because basically what they're doing is redefining morality apart from the Bible and now you're becoming the criminal. If, yep. you, if you believe that certain sexual behaviors are immoral or wrong, you're now, the, the heavy hand of government is coming down upon you. Yeah. So they're, they're right. trampling on our conscience, which belongs between us and the Lord. Yeah. And again, reasons for incredible concern as it relates to religious liberty as we get away from right. the Constitution as it was understood. And the last thing, you know, when we hear uh, the right to happiness, Americans say, well, that means I can do whatever, whatever I want. I want. Right. I'm, it's all about my happiness. But our founders define happiness as the right to own private property and to do with your property as you please. In other words, the king can't come in and steal the property. Yeah. In fact, in many of those uh, countries prior to the to our revolution, it was the king who owned all the property. Yeah. So you didn't even own it. You were just a vassal. Right. Right. And so one of the one of the secrets to wealth creation in America and the fact that we have a middle class is the fact that we own our property, which, again, is why when you look at the news and you're watching uh, innocent people's property being burned to the ground by a bunch of thugs, uh, this should concern you because it is a trampling of your inalienable God-given rights to own your property and to protect your property and to do with your property as you please. Yeah. So this is a major failure that we're witnessing right now of government to do one of its essential things, which is to secure the right to life, the right to liberty, and the right to private property, uh, which is the charter that our founders gave to government from the beginning. Right. So this is concerning. So anyway, when you when you look at, at why we are enjoying the blessing in this country, it goes back to the fact that ideas have consequences, that some ideas are better than other ideas. Some ideas lead to life and blessing. Other ideas lead to tyranny and injustice. And it's important that we're able to sort those out and realize uh, that blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Yeah. Now, maybe it's fitting that we wrap up this podcast just by talking a little bit about where we are right now, uh, because I'm deeply concerned with with the signs of the times, so to speak. There, there's a famous cycle that other people have identified that I think uh, is is apropos for where we're at now. And if you're listening to us today, as I go through this cycle, I'd like for you in your own mind, before Andrew and I talk about it from our perspective, I want you to think about where where is America in this cycle right now? Where is America in the cycle? And if you could just read, Andrew, word yeah. uh, line by line there, and we'll, we'll talk. From bondage to spiritual faith. Okay. I mean, this to me represents the Israelites and many, many nations, right? But Israelites are kind of a microcosm. Oh, yeah. and, right? When people right. are oppressed right. and they're starving and there's no liberty and, there's and they're hunger and they want they cry out to God and eventually they, they hit the ground and yeah. they just say they, they turn to God for help. And I love that yeah. passage we just talked about in Exodus because when Israel cried out for help, mm -hmm. the Bible says the Lord heard their cries. Yeah. So you find nations, they, they turn from bondage and they begin to turn to faith in God. Spiritual faith. Which leads to the next step. From spiritual faith to great courage. So how does what's the connection between spiritual faith and courage? We certainly saw that with the, the whole deliverance from Egypt. Yeah. Uh, as you begin to look to the Lord and you turn to Him, God begins to fill your heart with hope. 
and 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 with the desire that you know what we need to do something. We need to move forward. We can't keep yeah. this is not acceptable. Yeah. The current status quo not acceptable. Well, God anoints men and women of God who has His heart and says, "Hey, it's time for us to move." You know, He anoints Moses, raises them up, raises them up to say, "Hey, it's time to liberate." Uh, the people. Okay, next from step. From courage to liberty. So out of that courage, out of those anointing, out of those acts of God comes uh, liberty. The impulse to say, you know what, we're not going to go back to where we came from, and mm-hmm. uh, and we're going to be free people. Yep. We're not going to be slaves. Uh, and unfortunately, it takes it takes a lot of misery to get people to, to move to faith, to move to courage, to actually move to liberty. But yep. when they do, and they like, like with our founding of this nation, uh, you know, they said enough's enough, and we're going to do whatever it takes to live as free. We, we would le- rather live as free people right. or die, right. you know. Uh, from liberty, then now you go to abundance, okay. prosperity, you know, which America... The fruits of liberty. America's enjoyed prosperity for, for many, many years. And we just highlighted that's one of the keys to our exceptionalism is the fact that America has been uh, economically prosperous and we have enjoyed a super abundance not only, so much so that we're able to export our blessing and abundance to the the nations of the world and help them but then from abundance to selfishness yeah. and this is the the criticism of capitalism right uh, basically capitalism without God or yeah. without morality when without you lose altruism. the vision of, of honoring God and serving people yeah. you just indulge 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 just get fat 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 and yeah. it's all about us it's all about us power my rights right. do whatever I want right. to do who are you to tell me what to do and right. uh, and that selfishness becomes really a poison and, and we're seeing that poison throughout right. America today right so so again we you and I talk about this capitalism by its nature is not good or bad it's just a it's, it's a system well, and we'll get into that perhaps in the future. I, I believe it most accurately reflects biblical teaching when you compare it with other economic systems. Right. And when you look at the outcome, uh, we can get into that in future episodes. But, but we see uh, such pushback against that right now oh, yeah. is because of the selfishness and uh, the, the godless capitalism. Yeah. You know, where's capitalism in, in the concept of biblical uh, stewardship and biblical uh it's just uh, rapid materialism. Yeah, basically. rapid. You know, it's it's awesome. Anyways, uh, selfishness leads to complacency. Okay, I just want to get my. I want to make sure I'm taken care of. Don't care know? about what's going on out there. Yep. Don't care about the world. Just keep me happy. Yep. And you get to be very apathetic. Complacency then leads to uh, or apathy. And apathy leads to dependence. Yeah. Which is, then you're just like, hey. Who's, who's who's going to take care of me? Who's taking care of victim victimhood? Yeah, because I, you know, I'm I've lost the courage. I have lost the initiative because I've been because of abundance and selfishness and laziness and whatever it is. So I'm just going to yeah. wait for people to take and, care and of me. Entitlement. Yeah. You, you know, liberty and freedom comes with the price tag of personal responsibility. You know, we saw this last week. The the children of Israel, as soon as the squeeze came. Oh my gosh, take us back to Egypt. At least we had free fish, right? Like, are you yeah. kidding me? These people are living like slaves. But after you have lived and you got that slave mentality, it's almost easier to just sit back and be a slave and just let the government, in that case, you know, Pharaoh, yeah. let Pharaoh put a fish in my pot and give me right. some cucumbers right. and I'm happy. You know, right. responsibility comes, it's the price tag for liberty. And we've got to be diligent to maintain the wonderful nation and the freedoms that we have. And I think right now we're seeing a lot of just overall apathy among Americans um, as it relates to what do I do now and what's my response and do I just let America go up and, and smoke or am right. I going to do something about it? And then dependency back down, back again to bondage. To bondage. 
so it, it, this, and I love to going back to where we ended last week with the whole chop Chaz Seattle thing. You know, when when uh, when there's a vacuum of leadership, uh, somebody's going to step in. We shared last week. This is a biblical principle. You 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 can't live in a leaderless world uh, or a lack of authority. It, the world is created by God, who is the ultimate authority, and then he gives delegated authority. So to live under this myth that somehow we're going to survive without any kind of leadership or whatever is a myth. Because as we pointed out, somebody steps in, the biggest stick, yep. someone with the most power, the most control, most money, whatever. And then that person becomes a dictator and tyranny ensues again. Yeah. And the, the bigger our federal government grows... Uh, the more tyrannical we're going to see it get, the more bloated it's going to get, and the more dependent our people are going to get. That's why we should fight against all these. Again, there's legitimate help for people in need, but these all this welfare kind of system that keeps people dependent for generations and generations, this is not godly, and this does not produce good fruit. We, we've seen it in America. It's not produced good fruit at all. It's the same problems, uh, only deeper. Yeah. Uh, and so dependency and a reliability on the government to take care of us, apathy. These are all things that lead to the destruction of a nation. Yeah. And the only last thing I want to say about all this is, you know, speaking from an immigrant. I'm an immigrant. I'm a, I'm a first generation. I was actually born in a foreign country. I was born in Taiwan. I came here when I was eight years old. You know, it, the Declaration of Independence and Constitution is a perfect no. I mean, even that we, you and I talk about it, it says all men created equal. Well, it's actually contradictory because when they wrote it, it has slavery. So they need to also learn their lessons and develop all that. Was the Constitution perfect? No. Was the Declaration of Independence perfect? No. But that However, thought, yeah. That seed thought. Yeah, all men all are men created, created evil. That was found nowhere. It was unheard of in that sense. Yeah, and that biblical concept was unheard of in the, in in that time, and that seed grew into what we see in America today. And that's that that thought that seed established such prosperity yeah. in this nation. You know, I asked you before our podcast start, how many nations have you been? And you couldn't even name how many nations you've yeah. been. Wow. I have been through many, many nations. And I would not want to live in any other nation except for America. Yeah. Now, again, is America perfect? No. But the foundations that that's laid, that was based on godly principle, again, not saying it's perfect, but godly principle has create such prosperity. Is America perfect? No, but is America exceptional? Absolutely. Absolutely. And can you compare us with any other nation on planet Earth for our freedoms and for our prosperity? Absolutely not. So as you said, Mm -hmm. it's taken us time to get some things right. But we were the leader. And, and, you know, I heard heard that ridiculous senator from... from Virginia, I won't mention his name because I'll be nice, but he's a moron. He said, he said basically, uh, America was the source of all this injustice and stuff. And it's like, this, this shows you the incredible stupidity that some of our leaders at the highest level that do not understand our Christian heritage, and as you pointed out, the seeds of superior thought, not because Americans are smarter, but because Americans read their Bibles and read God's word. That concept, all men are created equal, only comes out of a Christian worldview. And, and what's happening right now is a, a, a revolution is brewing. Not yeah. a reformation. No. A revolution is brewing. I mean, 
you know, again, from my background, I study up on the Chinese Cultural Revolution. If you guys ever want to learn a little bit more about it, there's a movie you can watch called To Live. I think uh, it's been censored by the government. But, man, when I watched the movie, it, just, it really gave me a clear, pic, a, a, an interesting picture of what the Cultural Revolution looked like. But revolution, like, as we've seen right here, happens regularly. And they're not pretty sights. No. They are it's not beautiful things. Pain it's and misery. It's, it, and, and, you know... Destroying history, erasing the cultural, erasing what happened in the past over and over again. All that's to say is like right now, our constitution, and I talk about this is kind of where I jump on so far. Our constitution has been majorly attacked, primarily in the courts, in my opinion. I mean, I talked about this before. I mean, just what, what they're doing in the courts right now is to basically reinterpret what the constitution has said. And that's a really assault on the constitution and declaration of independence and everything we said before. Absolutely. And that's happening and it's a re- it's a quiet revolution and changing the fundamental nature of our nation. And that's and it's all kind of happening under the radar and we're just like, okay, let's yeah. just let it happen. Yeah. So So and we could go on and on. I feel like this has been a good show and I hope it I hope it speaks to what uh, we're dealing with today, but also gives us hope. And I would encourage you as you celebrate on the fourth and you get together and do whatever it is that you do, um, maybe have a cookout or get together with friends, would you please stop and pause maybe before you eat some great food cooked on the grill or whatever, but can you pause and stop and look to the Lord and thank God that you live in the United States of America. Thank God for the blessings of this country. Uh, Take a moment to repent and just say, Lord, forgive us as a nation. And then how about this? Recommit to being a voice of righteousness in our culture and standing up for truth and doing your best to make sure you know the foundations of this country, that you understand the biblical ties. This is a Christian nation. It doesn't mean that everybody in this country is a Christian. It means that this nation was founded by Christian ideas and concepts. That's the foundation. It goes all the way back to the beginning, and it's the source of American exceptionalism. Don't ever be ashamed of that. Don't ever be shy about that. That's part of who we are and it's part of why we have been so great. It's because blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. So I want us to close in prayer today, and I want us to pray for America. We need a revival, or else we're going to be part of that vicious cycle that happens to all the nations of the world. Uh, We need a revival of righteousness uh, in this country, and a true, as Andrew said, reformation, not a revolution. Revolutions destroy, reformations build. We want to build a great, solid nation and continue to enjoy the stability and the economic cycle can be broken. Absolutely. And the church of Jesus Christ, this is where the hope is. Amen. The church of Amen. Jesus Christ is the solution. No other for Because look at history. This happens over yeah. and over again. What stops this cycle is the church of Jesus Christ come to our knees and say, hey, there's revival. Must, the revival must first begin in your heart, in your marriage, in your relationship, your kid, in your devotion to Jesus Christ, spread onward. So I have such hope because God has given us opportunity through Jesus Christ and through the Holy Spirit. Amen. So we, we, are, we are hope dealers today, yes, all right? Amen. We're hope dealers. So Lord, we thank you for America. And Lord, as some of our, the great hymns of, 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 of our culture that we sing about, God bless America, land that I love, stand beside her. 
guide her. That's our prayer, Lord, that you would bring about an awakening in this nation that you have established and that has been a force for so much good, not only locally, uh, but across the nations of the world. So, Father, we just cry out to you to have mercy on us. May this cycle that we talked about not be the cycle that we have to go through. Awaken awaken your church, and Lord, let revival uh, and not revolution hit our nation. Let an awakening, Lord, hit our nation. And God, return our country back to you. This is our prayer, Lord. And let us as the church be part of the solution and part of the light. Shake us from the apathy, Lord, that's all around us. Shake us from the selfishness that's all around us. Lord, may we use our stability and may we use our prosperity as tools for blessing, Lord. We pray this all in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said, amen. Amen. All right, thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to share us. Uh, And how can people share us? We're on a couple different places. Yeah, a couple different platforms. Share us on Facebook and then our podcasts are, uh, are also on our YouTube uh, channel at the church and also um, on the link on our church website you can access our podcast. So. Help us spread this message far and wide. What we talked about today needs to be heard all across America. Help us to do that. All right. Have an amazing 4th of July celebration and we'll look forward to seeing you next week.